Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Who? Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water. Do you believe we have a great show for you guys today? George Yang joins the boys, so buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and we're back baby it's the charity stripe pitch your free throws cuz they're free so 368 coming hot at you guys and so 367 and all the other sods before that and i am joined on this one by alex toss me the rock tosopolis nikki snacks Kreider, and george niang for a really awesome fun show about basketball we laugh a lot it's great I'm going to remind you that we're brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Place all your bets there. Why are you betting anywhere else? Just go to BetOnline.ag right now. Put some money down. You're listening today. It's a Monday. The Cowboys are going to smoke the Eagles. Put it on them. Can you put futures on there? Absolutely. Dodgers, World Series. That's a good one. Join me with the White Sox, World Series. 50 bucks I put down at the beginning of the year. I could win 900 Shaboom, shebang. BetOnline.ag is the Pink's Hot Dogs of betting sites. Go there after you listen to our awesome podcast with George Niang. So, without further ado, the Charity Stripe team presents George Niang. Enjoy. All right, guys. You heard an hour introduction. Normally, we would give a really nice intro to somebody, but a lot of our listeners are Longhorns or Big 12 type people, and this guy has terrorized us all, not for one season or two seasons or three seasons, but all four years of college. We got George Niang joining the boys now of the Philadelphia 76ers. George, how you doing? How you fitting with the team? How's it rolling so far in Philly? Uh, it's been great, man. Uh, you know, just getting acclimated, being back on the East Coast. You know, I've, I haven't been in the same time zone as my family since I was in high school, you know, going to Iowa yeah, State Jesus. In, uh, in central time. But, uh, no, it's been great. I mean, the guys are awesome. You know, we have great chemistry. Um, it's it's been, a, it's been a blast so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is it? I mean, you worked hard to carve out your role in Utah. How is it carving out your role in Philly? Are there some jitters kind of going to a new team, kind of figuring out how you're going to fit in? Or at this point, you've been around the league enough, you just kind of got to go and do your job type thing. Yeah, you know, like, you know, the more you focus on shit that you can't really control is when yeah. you start taking away what you do do. Like, I'm going to be fighting a mental battle of like, you know, having the jitters of not knowing where I fit in. Or I can just be like, hey, this is what I bring to the table. This is what my niche has been everywhere I've been. And I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. If you like it, great. If you don't, then let me know when you start liking it type of deal. I mean, there's, there's really nothing to it. You really just got to go in and do what you do. Because if you start worrying about other stuff, you're just taking away from your opportunity to do what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a guy on the team that you've gravitated towards so far? Uh, it's still early on, but, yeah. you know, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Tobias reached out to me as soon as I signed. Um, you know, I've known Joel um since college um danny green's been great you know um you know i recently just met matisse thibel and uh furcon Korkmaz, and 
you know, Shake Milton I had seen in Vegas. I mean, I have like a personal relationship with all of them. So it's like you go down the list, you're like, oh, well, I kind of am close to him. But you don't really know until it's like day 72 and everybody's like, damn, I hate seeing this person's face or damn, I like, you know, hanging out with this person on the road. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think I, I get along well with everybody. So there's no real, real drama here. Yeah. Yeah, it can't be drama when you're trying to get a championship either. And this team's obviously going to contend. And Diebel, I don't think I'd go within ten feet of that guy. Like swipe me. Like that guy's got. He's Yo, got. His, it's, it's crazy. His, his instincts. He has like spidey senses. Like I, I dropped a cap the other day and went to go pick it up, and he already like had it in his hand. Yeah, like have you ever seen Mister Three? You ever seen Mister Three Thousand when they drop the beer bottle and Bernie Mac like snatches it? Yeah. Dude, I don't even. I don't even think they'd finish, dude. I think Thibault would just have that thing ready to go. I mean, you're back on the East Coast now. We were looking at your recruiting. Like, it's not like you were like a small recruit. You're a top 100 recruit, top 75 recruit. Like, where was UConn? Like, where were they? They they weren't really. Uh... They weren't really feeling, I mean, you got to think about it, right? Like the way the game was when I was in high school was like six, 10 power forward, seven foot center. You know what I mean? Like, so it wasn't like when I was like, I wasn't your prototypical four man that was like shooting threes. Like they still wanted guys that like play two guys that played down low and like a guy that had a little mid range, but I was more or less like rebounding the ball, bringing the ball up. But I wasn't like, quick enough to be like a small forward at that point. So it was like, ah, like I remember Michigan came in and I can't remember his name. Uh, I I can't remember what the coach's name was. Uh, He was an assistant, but he was like, yeah, you're great. Like you do good things, but like what position could you play? And I was like, all right, like you clearly don't get it. But I mean, yeah, so UConn wasn't involved. I mean, Providence came in late. Uh, Funny story is, you know, uh, the head coach of Boston College, you know, he's always been like, ah, I'm so pissed I didn't recruit you. Uh, he's actually at Penn now. So when I signed here, he was like, called me. He was like, whatever you need, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I, wanted, I wanted to be like, I don't have any eligibility left, but you know what I mean? We can <laughs> we can make it work. But we no, I mean, I, I kind of fell into, you know, the top 100 kind of late. I mean, I, I didn't have my first Division one offer until my junior year. So, wow. I mean, it, it's... It's kind of, I'm not going to say it hasn't put a chip on my shoulder because it definitely, you know, it definitely has. It's motivated me to wake up every day and be like, all right, now I want a division one offer. Now I want a mid-major. Now I want a high major. Now I want a blue blood, you know, which at that point I didn't get, but I committed so early because uh, I just wanted to be loyal to Fred Hoiberg and Iowa State because they were the first um, high major program to offer me a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it ended up working out for sure. Yeah, I mean, shit, it, it did, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, you guys are freaking dominant every year, you know, except one. I don't want to rub it in, but I will take some of the blame for that one year. I had you guys winning the national title. That was my sophomore year of college. I think it was your junior year. Yeah. And that's on, that's on me. It's not on you because I, if these guys will tell <laughs> you, I have the worst luck in March Madness. The first year we started this podcast was the year Virginia lost as the one seed. And the whole oh. season, and the whole season – I'm telling everybody and their mother, like, yo, like, Virginia is the best team I've ever seen. They have it in the bag. Like, and then, like, I should have known. I should have known when DeAndre Hunter went down that there was going to be trouble. I still rode the train, and it was just over. So He had a, he had a T-shirt me. and everything. Like, he's a, a longhorn, and he had a Virginia I T-shirt. I bought the for Virginia T-shirt. No I ties did. to Virginia. It none. Was none. 
Yo, where'd we get this guy? Yeah, <laughs> complete. I'm a. Don't worry. I'm. A, I'm a sellout. Long, and Long Island. Long that's, Island. Yeah, that's where we got it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Northeast guy too, dude. We didn't leave him on the ferry. Yeah, we should have left me on should've. the ferry. On it. Yeah, it's my dad. <laughs> my dad tells my mom that all the time. <laughs> uh, how is it playing with Nerlens in, in high school? Did that help your recruitment? Pro- He's the number one guy coming out of high school. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. that helped. I mean. I'd never seen Calipari, you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, Coach Krzyzewski, like all those guys were coming into the gym and it made me realize like basketball is a game of like, obviously you got to be talented, but it's also like who you know. Like if Duke was like, hey, uh, we're not going to recruit this guy, but you know, I have an assistant that went to Arkansas. You know what I mean? You should start recruiting this guy. And the next thing you know, people are like, oh, SEC schools are recruiting him. Big 12 schools are recruiting him. Like next thing you know, everybody's recruiting you. And it was literally just like a, a fall pickup. You know, I don't know if you guys know how it goes down, but like you play like fall pickup in front yeah. of coaches. Like it was literally like 50 coaches in the gym. Like every time we played, it was like madness. It was, it was crazy. And, and the wild part was we got invited to so many tournaments my senior year that we literally only played four home games. Like we played four home what? games. What? That's yeah. crazy. So we, because we were, we traveled to West Virginia. We traveled to Illinois. We, what's that uh, tournament down in Florida? Not the city of Palms. Is, is that, uh, it's one of those big Palms something. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, we did that. Uh, yeah. We were all over the place. And, you know, what I mean, no, no team was just volunteering to come play us at home. So my basketball coach was just like, all right, we'll play everybody on the road. And we had like four home games and, we just made it work, but Nerlens was, Nerlens was, uh, I mean, he still is. I mean, him and Rudy Gobert are neck and neck for the best travel. Because obviously, Rudy Gobert is done at the NBA level, and I was with Nerlens when he did at the high school level. But definitely, yeah, did that feed in even more to the recruiting? Because you had Nerlens that you were playing with, and it's like if anyone gets within ten feet of the rim, he's swatting it. Yeah. So were they like, oh, why aren't you? Why can't you play? You're six seven. Like why? why can't you play like a big too? And it's like, well, no, like I got this guy. Like, what do, what do I need to do? Like, I'm going to pair up with him. I don't need to do everything he's doing. That's why I got him on my squad. Yeah, straight up. No, for sure. I mean, but it also helped me because when we played against each other, like I had played against him so long that I realized how to like throw off his timing. And when I'd score, they'd be like, oh, this kid's scoring on, you know, the best shot blocker yeah. in, the, in the country. So, I mean, right. it helped me more than it hurt me. That's for sure. And I'm, you know, I don't realize it. I didn't realize it till now, but I'm super thankful that, you know, we were teammates. Uh, we won a lot of games together, whether it was AAU or high school. That's and, awesome. Yeah, we had a lot of great memories. Would you argue that those games were more high pressure or, or stressful than they were in college just because there were so many coaches watching you guys play? That's a That's a good question because – you know, coaches don't really like boo or make sound effects. Right. You don't know what's going There's through. There's like that pressure of like, am I sucking today or am I not sucking? Yeah, you don't know. Like, yeah. Whereas like if you're in a, you know what you're getting on the road, like I hate you, you suck. You know what I mean? But at home, you know, everybody's cheering for you. So that's a, I would say, you know, me being a, I don't want to say immature high school kid, but like probably valuing things that I didn't need to value. Um, or like whose opinion really mattered. I would probably say playing in front of the college coaches was probably tougher just because you, 
I mean, at the end of the day, you didn't know who liked you or who didn't. Like, you'd walk off right. the court, they'd be like, hey, we liked your game, or you'd think someone was there for you and they weren't there for you. And I don't know. I've always had a theory on it. It takes, like, imagine your whole life working on something and someone who has a clipboard and is a, a college recruiter, recruiter, like, values whether you're going to a high major school or you're going to a low major school. I mean, that that's wild. You know it's what I mean? Wild. But, yeah. kind of how the world is you know what I mean yeah I mean it's super subjective I mean you talk about that Michigan coach who thought you were a great player but didn't know where you fit like that's just completely up to his opinion you know right and I don't get a scholarship to go to Michigan I don't get a chance to go to a top 20 academic school where like literally you get a degree from Michigan it's like how do you mess yeah. this up if you have that yeah that's yeah, no, ridiculous I remember playing because I played high school football in Texas and I remember the practices when we'd have scouts or we'd have coaches come everyone's ass got super tight. Like it was just like, no one fucked around. Like it was super all business because no one wanted to make a mistake out there. And even if you weren't a great player, you still wanted to think like you could make somewhat of an impact on that, on that scout. No, for sure. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand. Football is totally different though, because they are cutting guys left and right. Oh yeah. Like, you do the wrong. It's so militant. I feel like with football, like if you stretch the wrong way, they're like, he's not prepared. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah it's like it it really is super strict i mean i don't know if you just the whole it, the whole josh gordon thing will always rub me the wrong way in the nf and i'm sure you're right as a pro athlete you're like now like it's a joke is weed's legal like in anywhere you can get it like and it, it's it's almost harder to get now than it was in college realistically and then a guy like josh gordon instead of helping him they made him the villain no it's and, the scapegoat they're they're like, we're going to make you the poster child of the not smoke, don't smoke weed, or you'll never be able to be something in this league. Like, that guy is like elite. Yeah. Sick. Let the league in receiving. Yeah. Like, and we're just like going to hold that back because he, and I hate bringing other people's drama into it, but I'm sure there's guys that have had like, you know, assault charges that are, still able to come and play but because this guy can't put down um, yeah drug where he's sitting in his apartment or house doing it i don't know i mean i i, I don't want to get into it say the wrong thing but it is the charity stripe so i might as well just hey baby it's uh, you just got to hit your free throws on this which, podcast and that's all we you, ask man which oh my gosh did you do last year we're talking you're 40 49 i mean this is we're talking about carving out a role on the 76ers you're a 40, 40, 90 player last year, highest three point percentage you've had in your career. Yeah. What, what does it mean for a guy that's kind of deemed by media as, as a role player? Like what, what is for in oh, your mind, like in your mind, like how does, how does being efficient, how important is that to your game? And also like, what are people sleeping on in your game that they don't realize that you can do? Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously with my role in Utah, it was, you know, to come in five, six minutes a, a half and, you know, when I was open, shoot the ball and hopefully make it. And I think the whole process behind that of being like efficient was like, I had to get to a point where I was like, all right, I'm going to shoot the ball, but I'm, I'm not going to give a fuck, but I'm going to give a fuck enough to like, where like, I'm not going to put pressure on myself to make it, but I know like I have to make it like, there's like a fine line between like, not giving a shit like if you miss and to know that the next time down the court if you're open you still have to shoot it and like actually not just coming down and being an idiot and just throwing the ball up right mm -hmm. so 
once I got to that point, it was more or less like, all right, I know what I'm in here to do and this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, moving forward, obviously you, you want to handle the ball more. You want to be able to make plays, but the longer you're out there making shots and keeping the defense away from other superstars that are on your court, on the court, you realize like, Oh, like maybe I can add like a pump fake sidestep or a pump fake, get to the rim and kick to someone or throw a lob. And like, once you realize that, once you master like that role of the, what's going to get you on the court, you get more and more opportunities. Obviously, I would have loved to have, you know, more time, you know what I mean, handling the ball. But I mean, it, it worked out for me, you know, to come to Philly where, you know, they do need shooting. They do need passers and facilitators. So me being here is something that allows me to flourish and grow as a player and honestly get to a point to see how far I can take the game of basketball at, with my skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's people that watch a lot of basketball that know basketball know how invaluable a player like you really is, especially when you're paired with a big like you were in high school with Nerlens, like you were in Utah with Rudy and now with Jojo, because you're still a big that can score around the paint. And when a big is guarding you and you're stretching the floor and you're spotting up in that corner, like you're you're so important to the team because now they can't double and be like they want to and if they do he's kicking it across and you're you're knocking that down like for sure it's I huge mean, Joel Embiid uh he opens up so many lanes with you know just his presence by being out there and he I mean he draws a double team or he's scoring like how do you want it I mean pick your poison so uh I'm real excited about that you know I've never played with a big I played with two mainly defensive bigs in my career, but to play with one that's this offensively skilled is something that I'm really excited about. You play with MT? You play with Miles Turner? Or I wouldn't C- say I played, played much when I was in uh, Indiana. Indiana, yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah. was on the... We we just I asked because we just had him last week. Uh, oh, great. really? Yeah. yeah. He, he's a, he was always great to me. In nice the, dude. It was nice just... Dude. Uh, my time there was just short-lived. Yeah, I mean, that dude, that, that, that's... I mean, I'm curious, like you're you we watch your thing, you had a little video with Joe and Royce with the Utah Jazz kind of just followed you around for the day. And then you like kind of jokingly told Joe that he's like a fine wine. But a lot of guys in the NBA are like that. It's you know, more so than ever, just a game of adjustments. Like baseball's always gotten that credit as the game of adjustment, but really the NBA has kind of become like Kyle Lowry's like the prime example of the guy that's kind of changed that narrative. Yeah. You know, the biggest thing is I told someone is you just got to stick around as long as possible and just keep trying and and loving to fail. And if you fail, like try to find a new way to achieve like your dreams, because when I first came in, I was like, all right, like I'm going to be able to dribble, pump fake and, you know, I mean, have the ball in my hands. That wasn't the case. And it took me two and a half years to figure out that if I wanted to get on the court, I was going to have to one, play defense, and two, make threes. And once I did that, it opened up, you know, roles for, you know, me to be able to guard better or better players and, you know, be able to have the ball in my hands more or to come off screens to shoot. And once you master, like, one small role that's going to get you on the court, like I said before, it just opens things up. But a lot of guys, like, have been told how great they are their whole life. Like, you're the best, you're this, you don't have to, you're athletic, you're this. And it's humbling, man. Like when you have to sit in the mirror and be like, I've done the game of basketball this way my whole life. 
And if I want to keep this lifestyle, keep this career, keep my dream alive, I have to change it. Like you're telling me like the, the first day I was like, I'm going to come off pin downs and like shoot. And I went like one for 11. I'm like, I suck at this. There's no way like I'm ever going to get to this. And then, you know, you, you get to four for 11, then you get to seven for 11, then you get to 10 for 11. You're like, all right. Like, but the process of that is, is guys don't like that uncomfortable feeling of knowing that they're not good at something. So when it gets uncomfortable, they're like, I, I don't want to do this. Like this, the NBA style isn't for me and da, 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 da and, and end up giving up on themselves where I was like, man, I've put way too much time in way too much effort to just go out and not try everything that I possibly can to make it work. Like, yeah, I was a back to the basket player in college, but that wasn't going to work out for me. No. In the NBA, I was going to either have to go play in Yugoslavia or, you know, Japan, China, Korea, yeah. China. Yeah. yeah. It would have worked there, but I wanted to be an NBA player. So either you figure it out, get humbled and, and continue to work every day and struggle. And obviously there were days where I felt like, damn, I, am I ever going to get another chance at this? But if you put enough work in, I promise, you know, these guys were, I mean, everybody's talented at this level. If you put enough work into figuring out what your role can be to, to get on the court, you'll make shit happen. Yeah. Off to that point really quickly, I want to just talk about something because we are the charity stripe and we had a guest on our show the other day and he said, there's no excuse for shooting under 50% at the free throw, free throw line. And you're an 87 career percent shooter. Yeah. What is your take on that? I mean, do you think that there is no excuse or are there some exceptions? Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to make excuses for anybody because if you put enough time in, you know what I mean? You, you, uh, you're going to hit, you figure it out. But I mean, the game is so mental. And if, you know, you can't hold it together mentally or if you're, I, I mean, there's, but then there's different like variables. Like some guys have like huge hands. So it's like yeah. a shooting, like a, a tennis ball for some of these guys. So you shoot, you, you know, it's uncomfortable shooting the ball. Like you're used to like dunking and laying the ball up and you have to go up to the free throw line in front of like 20,000 people that are screaming, yelling. Like if you don't feel confident up there, like I don't care what you're doing. Like you're, right. you're, you're, yeah. you're not going to make it. If you, you, you feel that way. Even with like, with guys like Jojo and like Dirk, I grew up in Dallas. I'm a, I'm a massive yeah. Mavs fan, seven footer Jokic who just won MVP. Like those guys are knocked down from the line. They've got massive hands, like I, huge hands. I hear you, but look at Shaq. You know what I mean? Like you're talking about like a small percentage of seven footers that of course they're, they're, yeah, yeah. they're in a different class from shooting standpoint just because they're the most skilled seven footers that you could, you know what I mean? Like, why don't yeah. we listen to guys that can't walk and chew gum at the same time? Right. Well, I, <laughs> I will say, I, I don't think Shaq was really working on it either, but he didn't, he didn't have to. I mean, I know he's working on it, but you, you know what I mean? Like not necessarily yeah. like three day, three hours a day, every single no, day in the summer. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, you know what? At that point, if, if you work at it, you'll be good at it. If, then it's just not important to you. At the end of the day, if it's important to you, you'll make enough time to be good at it. Um, some need more time than others. But yeah, there's probably no excuse for shooting that. And don't don't be setting me up to ask me a question about who shoots. Nah. No, no, that's it. Not. You're, no, you're no, off the hook. Hey, look, that. man, we do that. we're not putting you in any kind of position like that. I do have one question. Like when we found out we were going to interview, like my immediate question was, you know, 
we kind of brought up the junior year early bounce and your immediate reaction, it seemed like was I'm coming back for my senior year when you could have gone to the NBA. Like I'm not going out like this. I'm going out like on top or as on top as I can be, which is as admirable as it gets, especially when, you know, you, you said Iowa state gave you a lot at the jump, you giving back to them. What's your relationship like with Fred Hoiberg? What was the conversation like when he's the one that goes to the NBA? Cause it's, is an opportunity that's really tough to pass up, but you're like the one that's running it back as well. Yeah, that was uh I mean, it was, it was definitely kind of weird, right? I didn't think that us getting bounced was going to be the last time he was going to be my, my coach. But at the same time, uh, you know, I just didn't think I was ready and I couldn't leave knowing that like I went out the way I went out. You know, yeah. that's just not how I was brought up, not how I was, you know, raised in the game of basketball. Um, a lot of people say it's admirable, but I think it was the best best thing for me. Uh, you know, I had to deal with like a new head coach, uh, you know, how to, you know, align with my teammates once, uh, you know, the new head coach came in, how we were going to figure figure things out. Um, and it ended up, I think I learned the most, you know, my senior year, just from the simple fact that, you know, my first three years, you know, Fred really gave me the reins and I was able to do a lot and, didn't play much defense and, and had a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, Steve Prohm, when he came in, he was more like a point guard coach. So he was more like post up, stand in the dunker spot. Like, you know what I mean? Try, don't shoot too many threes. And that was like, I had to find different ways to be effective. And then obviously there was a turning point where I was like, all right, I'm going to play my game and you're yeah. going to like me or you're not. Um, but it was, it was tough. I mean, it was a weird situation, right? You know, the NBA season doesn't end till June and he was going to take the Chicago job and they weren't done till June. So we're sitting in the office, like hoping that the Bulls beat the Cavs so that Thibodeau keeps his job because they go to the Eastern Conference finals and then LeBron hits that dagger in front of the bench, uh, the dagger three. And I'm like, it's over. I was like, we're done. Jesus. And then you just, you know, I, I went home, I think before summer school and he called me and was like, you know, we've come to terms and I'm going to take the job. And I mean, it was, it happens, but it, it, I was happy for him because he's always wanted to coach in the NBA and that's something he's passionate about. Yeah. It's a crazy situation. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the marriage or like the cross point of like your dreams and protecting other people's dreams as well. Yeah, you know, it's the game. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. But yeah, hey, you got to walk the fine line of being fair to other people's dreams, but also putting your dream like not disrespecting anybody chasing after your dreams, but, you know, putting your dreams first, especially in this business, because, yeah, it's a cold world. It's a cold world we live in, man. Yeah. All any, any business, bro. Like it is a cold, oh, cold. Man. Yeah. It's a cold, cold world. Um, but yeah. That Chicago job. It ain't, they ain't the King's job. I'll say that. You don't have to say it, but that, that, that's the fact. <laughs> uh, you got, you've been doing some podcasting on your own. I mean, Toss, you've been listening, you've listened to the, you know, George's podcast a bunch. Yeah. The one you do with crew. And we were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, guys yeah. that have carved out a role in the NBA, yeah. JJ, right. Who just hung it up like man, elite podcaster forget how good he is at NBA. Like that guy can talk with the best of them. What, what was kind of your, what was the inciting incident for, for taking on podcasting and wanting to do that and talk to people? You know, I had done like a broadcaster uh, 
camp with like the MVP national, uh, the players association put together. And I was like, Oh, like, this is cool. Like, and I always like getting to know people and I think podcasts are funny. I mean, I don't listen to a bunch, but I think like, just like shooting the shit and like talking and like getting people to like tell stories is, is super cool. And, uh, so the jazz were like, Hey, do you like during quarantine? Like, do you want a podcast? And I was like, shoot, I don't have anything else to do. This probably helps me like stop eating and, and or yeah. wine. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, sure. Let's try it. And the first person I, I, uh, got on there was Jordan Clarkson. And like, if you guys know him, he's like a gym of a human, like yeah, neck tattoos like- came into the league, no tattoos. But like, <laughs> he just is all about good vibes and doing his own thing. And he doesn't care what other people think. And I, I always admire that about him. So I was like, I think it's always cool. Cause the perception of people that you see before you actually get to have a conversation with them is like totally different after like engaging with them on like a podcast or getting them to tell stories. You're like one or two things. You're like, Oh, I don't How's this person going to be? And then you're like, yo, they were fucking so cool. Like they had so many stories. Or you're like, this person's going to be so cool. And then they, you're like, this person is a dud. They suck. Like this was, <laughs> you know? So it's like, you get like a mixture of like you, you realize like you can't read a book by it or judge a book by its cover. And you're like, you, you kind of become passionate about it. And I also have respect because the amount of research that people got to do. So you don't look like an idiot on these things is like out of this world. Like interviewing my teammates was easy when I had to do like other people, like the mayor or <laughs> even like Chris Brickley. It was like, <clears throat> I, I looked up, I looked up that he was like producing an album. But I was asking him questions as if, as if he was like rapping on it because I didn't know like what producing meant. He was like, bro, I'm not singing on this. I'm just producing it. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, what, okay, well, going further like, on that. What the hell like, does well, that like, mean, bro? Do you want to like, can we go work out now or something? He was like a dude that was like, had like super cool like vibe about him. I didn't know he was he was that cool. Yeah. Is it safe to say that you'd be interested in getting into broadcasting after the NBA? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I just, I tell people all the time, like I even told you guys before, like I'm a normal dude. I like doing yeah. normal things, getting to know people. Like I don't think I'm that much cooler than, than everybody. So like podcasting is like fun because like, where's a better time for you to just run your mouth, talk some yep. shit. You know what I mean? Like get a reaction out of someone, see what they have to say. And then preaching the choir. I mean, this, this is what we do, you know? Yeah. That's why we, that's why we do it. That's yeah. why we do it. We're, we, the amount of times we've been surprised, like we'll get to it in a second. We're going to do a couple of quick hitters, but then we always ask every single guest the same question at the end. And it's your favorite sports memory. So you can just start ruminating on that. Yeah. But the amount of different answers we've gotten they've been all over the place and we're always surprised. I think like, mm-hmm. that's what it is, right? It's just, it's, we always think we know about people. We always think we know what they're thinking, what they're doing, but like to get that surprise is really refreshing. So yeah. we're probably about to be pretty surprised here. A couple of quick hitters for you though. Let's go. I'm ready for them. All right. Who finishes, next. who finishes 12 beers first? You or Joe Ingles? Oh, <laughs> Joe Ingles. Yeah. Uh, the Aussie, the Aussie. Hey, those guys just can delete them. Like, <laughs> so, so he won a, a bronze medal, right? I know this isn't a quick hitter, but it's a good story. Go for it. They won a bronze medal and it's like four in the morning. And I like wake up to pee and like get an alert on my phone. That's like, Australia has won like a bronze medal. 
And I kid you not, like, you know, you go try to go back to sleep. You're like in and out of sleep. It's like 15 minutes after I got up. I don't know how long before, probably like 30 minutes before that they had won. He's like, has three beers in his hand, like is FaceTiming me at like five in the morning because I don't know what time it is uh, over there screaming. Like, ah, <laughs> like just hammered. And I was like, didn't you just win like 25 minutes ago? He's like, so? <laughs> Literally told me he was just out like drinking till like five every morning until they had to go home. And I was like, you're, you're just different. And then he went at home and turned into a, you know, turn dad mode on where, you know, he has three kids, a wife. So, but he can drink with the best of them. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed. Him and Boyan Bogdanovich and, and uh, that's just not fair. That guy, that those, oh, oh, but yeah, I mean, it's just the Europeans, right? They're just oh, a different, they're different. They're different. They're different. Yeah. Crazy. yeah. All right. Here's another one. In your opinion, best in the world right now. Uh, Best actor, model, basketball player. <laughs> Get out of here. Best, best, best podcast. No. <laughs> uh, the charity strive, 100%. Thanks, baby. <laughs> best basketball player. Uh, playing. Currently playing or to ever do it. Currently. Right now. Uh, I mean, I think you got, there's no LeBron. I mean, I don't think there's. Really? Still? Over KD? Over Giannis, man. If you're on LeBron's team, you're you're to the mountaintop. That is true. You know, Giannis, you know, did it. He he did it right. Uh, not, not taking anything away from him, but LeBron is someone's gonna have to really kick him off his throne before I'm like it's it's not him right now. There, yeah, yeah. Who's uh, more likely to win a title first? The Kings or the Magic? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a great response. Yeah, man. <laughs> I hope we're alive for it, but the Kings. Well, I say the same thing all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, gotta give Hal Burton some love, man. My guy, my guy. He told me he's out there grinding, so I was like, I'm, I'll be watching. <laughs> I believe <laughs> not every game, but I'll be watching. That's amazing. Speaking of college. Best college player you ever faced? Oh, Joel Embiid, one hundred percent, dude. He when we when I played him the first time, he was fucking scoring on me like left and right, and I had like the ball in my hands the whole time on offense, and I went like four for twenty, and people were like, "How couldn't you score?" I was like, "Motherfucker, I can't see over him. I put <laughs> the ball up in the air, like I couldn't see." Yeah, he's incredible. Can I, can I throw something real quick at you though? Because yeah. I've always had this statement. I mean, we've seen a lot of sick guys come through when we were there. Like you, Smart, JoJo, Wiggins. Like we were all there for that. Like we're there. We're same age. Yeah. I think one of the best I've seen, if not the best, is Buddy. Like, is that crazy? In college. Yo. Especially his senior year. The yeah. most shot every time. And like you'd go over stats on a scouting report and be like, yeah, Buddy Hill's shooting 54 from the field, 50 from three, and like 94 from the line. You're like, he shoots every time. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, uh, like not like right then and there for sure. Him easily. Mm -hmm. He was, he was definitely the best, like then and then and then when it was, was college. But now, I mean, Joel Embiid was unreal. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's ridiculous. He was he was amazing. All right, we already teased it to you. Hopefully, you got a, a favorite sports memory in the back of your head. We ask this to every single guest. It can be you as a player, as a fan, anything in your life. Your favorite sports memory of all time. Uh, so, I think it was 2016, right? Uh, my agent was out in LA, and uh, he gave me tickets to Kobe Bryant's last game. So literally, I got to sit and watch. It was like. I, when I tell people, I'm like, it was like, you know, when you hear like good music and you're like, well, wow. it was like music to the eyes. Like you get to watch Kobe Bryant every time down, just like do whatever you want and like be down 10 in the fourth quarter and just come back and win and like just make shot after shot after shot. Cause he was like sucking in the first half, but he shot 60 or 50 times. Right. And it was like music to the eyes. It was like the most unreal thing ever because you knew he was going to shoot. Like, it's like what you play in your head. Like, oh, they double team Kobe over half court. He splits the double team. Step back. It's good. Like, it was just like you knew the ball was going to go in, but you didn't know how it was going to go in. And, like, towards the end of the game, like, he gets a switch on, like, Trey Lyles and just raises up and, like, does what Kobe does and makes, like, his last shot. It was, like, the most picture-perfect thing that we take for granted in sports because sometimes when careers end, like they're not picture perfect. Like nobody wanted to see Vince Carter go out no. with COVID. You know what I mean? Like I remember having like shoes set up that I could have Vince sign when he came to Utah, but the COVID ended that. Right. Yeah. It was like the most picture perfect thing for like one of the greatest or the greatest of, you know, when I, at least that I thought, of like going out and ending his career. And it was, yeah. it, it like didn't get any better than that. That would be the, the greatest sports moment I ever. That's awesome. That yeah, is really, so sick really you were there for that. Where were you at? Oh, they were at mid court. And I remember my agent telling me like, hey, like if you're not gonna go, like, please don't sell them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I took my aunt was on a business trip out there. So me and her went and it was like. Favorite nephew season for life. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good with her forever. Yeah. I get a Christmas present every year. On, uh, yeah. On the clock, bro. That, that thing strikes, you know, midnight. That's you. Dude, I couldn't tell you where I lost my virginity. I could tell you where I was when I watched that last game. That was <laughs> it, it, it. Dude, it's the, it's the craziest. It's the best last game of all time. It, oh, better than Jeter. It, no, you know what someone told me the other day and like the most overrated overrated like legend they said was Derek Jeter and they started listing off how he didn't have like MVPs or scoring t like batting titles he got five batting titles five rings I know but like when you talk about like individual like come yeah. on guys, don't leave me hanging on this I mean I'm a bro I'm a I am a die hard Red Sox fan like die hard like yeah, he's pure star heart. Like when Aaron Boone hit that home run, like I don't know if I ate for a week. I would fucking kick Aaron Boone in the nuts if I saw him. Oh. Like, <laughs> these two and maybe you would have to, with the new Philly contract, would have to bail my ass out of jail if I saw Aaron Boone on the street. But I think Jeter, like every time he was up, you knew you it was dangerous. No matter who was pitching, no matter who was on the mound, he just got it done. Look, I mean, no, I saw the stat line too, like Nomar's peak years versus Jeter's peak years. 
I love Kike Hernandez, but the fact that Nomar's jersey is not retired by the Red Sox pains me. Like the Nomar situation pains me to death. Like that he didn't get a ring with us, but I think Jeter's sick. I really do. Yeah, he is. But, you know, I also did get a little nervous when Barry Bonds or Ken Griffey. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, why are about that bat? Yeah, I don't, she, know what they, I don't know what they were doing in the locker room, but that ball was yeah. flying. Yeah, that, yeah, it's a rocket. Joe Ingles deleted beers, Barry deleted baseballs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> George Niang, George, thank you so much for joining us. Absolute pleasure, man. Hey, go kick some ass. I know me. I'm not going to. Are you a Celtics fan deep down? We get off the record. But I'm, I'm, I'm. It's long past that. Good. Look, I'll seek. I'll secretly be rooting for you. Just don't tell my Boston homies that I'm pulling for the 76ers a little bit. I I appreciate you guys, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. Best of luck, bro. All right, you guys, take it easy. Amazing show. We had a great time. Hope to run it back with the man. He was fantastic, honestly. Really great guest. Uh, off air was great. Just the whole nine yards. Can't thank him enough for joining. Fans out there, drag both feet in bounds, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they free and hit your free throws. Why, guys? Because they are free. We out you. We love you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.